Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast. I'm Stu Hardy, joined, as always, by Derek Brissett. Derek, we have just seen the hours complete their second bye week. And now, you know, that uh, one game in hand that the other teams had is now gone as we enter the playoff race. Uh, you know, interesting results that happened this weekend. Uh, any MLR games that uh, piqued your interest? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, the New York NOLA game was probably the most interesting as far as uh, for the arrows. I mean, um, LA did did uh, LA did us a solid um, by uh, beating Atlanta pretty handily, so that kind of keeps them in check. Uh, nobody seems to be able to figure out how to stop New England um, as they kind of they rampage their way to the the now. Man, it's even worse. Say eh? the arrows, arrows on a bye week, and then their uh, their cool MLR record falls. Um, the uh, longest winning streak during a season. So that's now uh, New England at eight. But uh, yeah, I think the uh, the New York Nola game was definitely the most interesting. It was a uh, it was a quite the entertaining game. I mean, New York got out to a pretty big lead. Nola made uh, a pretty good comeback attempt that I was kind of getting very excited about, but. And the end, uh, five points victory or a bonus point victory, giving uh, New York five points in the standings. And now, you know, it's one of those things where now it's uh, it's now very obvious kind of like where everything sits. Right. So, yeah, um, everybody in the East has now played at least 11 games. Noel is the only team that's on 12. Um, so it gives you a pretty good picture of kind of where everything is looking at the uh, for the rest of the year. I mean, we obviously got, you know, Nola and old like old glory, maybe if not mathematically out or probably out of it, but uh, yeah, Toronto 30 points are now seven points back of New York for the final playoff spot. And then you got rugby ATL at 40 and then new England at the top of the table with 47. So um, pretty, a uh, pretty healthy gap between new England and the rest of the conference. And then, um, you know, you still need two wins on New York. So um, to kind of catch New York right now. So that's, um, it's going to be an absolutely massive game um, next week. Um, but before we kind of get into all that, Stu, like, did you did you enjoy your bye week at all? Did you obviously still watched a lot of MLR and stuff? So maybe yeah, not necessarily yeah. a full bye week for us. But I don't know. Do you uh, enjoy your week? Get up to anything fun? Still no rugby references in Moon Knight. Disappointing. Yeah, that yeah that was disappointing as well. I mean, that entire episode, I thought, oh, they're so easy to put a rugby reference in yeah, at this exactly. point or that point. But, uh, you know, no spoilers from us, obviously. No. Uh, everyone's got to catch up. They could. We could have. Uh, we could have. We won't. But we're, yeah. There is a uh, romantic comedy that features rugby very heavily at, like, the number eight most watched show on Netflix right now in Canada. So at least yeah, there's, you know. there's some media with rugby jerseys doing well out there. Well, my weekend was uh, pretty uh, quiet, all things considered. You know, we're kind of at this uh, point where, you know, we're in between. We're getting towards the end of the season. So trying to watch as many MLR games at the moment. It was also a week off from Formula One. So I wasn't uh, waking up at the crack of dawn to watch qualifying or the race itself. Um, But uh, yeah, Miami seems to be the place to be next weekend. I mean... The Miami Grand Prix, the first time ever it's been held in uh, Florida. Mm. And, you know, it's uh, their artificial marina. And by that, I mean they've got real boats, but artificial water. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, what I'll, I'll is, give you the, artificial I'll give you the, water? I'll, I'll give you the chance after the podcast to, like, look at all the images because otherwise we're just going to be spending an hour talking about the artificial water for the Miami Grand Prix. Anyway, There's we need to art- focus on rugby. No, I don't, and, I don't know. Well, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Artificial water? Like what? Like, yeah. No, you can't just skip past artificial water. You have to. I, okay. I'll tell you what. I'll bring it up again at the end of the episode and I'll explain why. All right. All right. But for now, we're going to focus on the rugby. And, you know, even though the Arrows themselves weren't playing, the Senior Academy was. So as we announced a a few weeks ago, the Arrow Senior Academy had lined up three games um, for the uh, spring season. And they'd already played one game against uh, the New England Academy. And they were to play the first of two games against New York Foundry, which is Rugby New York's academy. Um, And unfortunately for us is that this game was hosted by New York. So... Uh, there wasn't a live stream available like there was for the New England game. There wasn't even a, a Twitter update of how the score was going or 
who scored when. All we have are the results and the try scorers. But if Toronto you... try scorers. Pardon? Just the Toronto try scorers. Oh yeah. But, I don't yeah, know but... how I don't know how New York got their 19. Yeah, no, no one, no one knows or cares how uh, New York got their <laughs> points. We're gonna, fo- we're focusing on, like, there's not like beat around the bush. We are a Canadian focused. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, so you the know, final no score. Care who scores tries for New York next week either. No, absolutely not. So, so long as those are fewer tries than when Toronto scored. Yeah. However, the academy team, the final scores were Arrows forty-seven, New York Foundry nineteen, and the try scorers were Cole Brown, Jacob Ince, Sam Mace, Stephen Martinez, Paul Schroeder, David Scollin, and Marcello Wainwright. Now, fans of the Arrows may notice a few of those names before, especially uh, Marcello Wainwright, Sam Mace, who's been doing really well. Um, and, you know, and he played in the Arrows Academy game against New England, so he obviously is uh, going from strength to strength. But one name that definitely sticks out is Cole Brown. So all the way back at the start of the season on the injured list, Cole Brown was one of the scrum halves that was injured. And, you know, the first scrum half injured and every other scrum half has now decided to follow in his footsteps, (laughs) it appears. Um, But yeah, it seems that uh, Mr. Brown has now been activated from the injury list and has finally got some game time under his belt. Now, this doesn't mean that he'll be swooped in to start for the Arrows against New York this week, but, you know, it may be a case of Brown, after appearing in Academy Colours, may be in the senior squad sooner than we know. Also to mention that uh, Will Kelly um, didn't score a try, but was playing for the Academy side and even scored Mm -hmm. four conversions. So, you know, it's good to see that, you know, these guys that, haven't been able to get the game time as much as we would hope. I mean, it's just a, it's just a case of the have other players in their position that are just playing out of, you know, well, out of their bodies. That much. I mean, when wait, you put Sam Mace... Kelly's in the lineup a lot. He is, but he's, he's yeah. either comes in as like fullback or for like 20 minutes. Uh, for the yeah, Arrows. he's coming but, in. At so the playing end. a full oh. game... Or, we you played know, a lot as obviously. much game time as you can is obviously a huge benefit. Yeah, I mean, obviously Kelly got a handful of starts before. Uh, well, Mal- Malcolm was recovering from an injury at the start of the season, um, but yeah, I guess he does come off the bench. He's played a lot though. I was surprised to see his name line up on the academy uh, on the academy squad. Just obviously, um, you know, uh, I guess some guys didn't get a bye week this week, but um, you know, it's it's always good to you know for for players to get that more game time and. As you mentioned, nice to see Cole Brown back, man. I mean, we need a uh, we need scrum halves. So uh, nice to see uh, getting the, some of the guys starting to come back from injuries because it's been a uh, it's been wild. And I think it's a uh, it is interesting to kind of like you see it in a lot of other sports too. And it's like it's interesting to see like um, whether it's like their actual intention or how they thought about this or um, or anything. But it is interesting to see like guys coming back from injuries getting a game with like the academy. Um, and then, you know, maybe using that as a stepping stone to kind of be like, okay, you're, you're fit to come back and play in a match perhaps. And, uh, um, cause uh, that, that's something that happens in a lot of other sports, especially baseball guys will do. Yeah. Guys will come back from injuries and then play for like a minor league team. And then, um, once they yeah. feel good, they'll go back to the, uh, to the majors. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's interesting to kind of like, I don't know. I don't necessarily think that's, I don't know if that's the situation of the thoughts here, but, um, you know, obviously, uh, Brown was listed on the injury list uh, for the game against Houston. So um, he's back. I guess he's back scoring tries. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we, uh, you know, get a chance to see him uh, with the big club soon. And, uh, you know, finally, finally getting some uh, some relief at the uh, the position. I mean, I, I obviously, uh, McCrory and Denardo have been uh, playing pretty well in uh, in the meantime, too. But yeah. there's a lot of scrum halves on this team now. So, yeah, so, I'll but, see if they'll... Uh get uh, healthy in time uh, and uh, well obviously it seems that Brown's healthy in time you know uh, not saying he'll be playing against New York but we do have games against Dallas and DC coming yeah. up and is, you know it looks like he's healthy at the very least yeah so scrum exactly. that's healthy now yeah so and that's always like good to hit and um, speaking of which 
it was supposed to be that this um, coming weekend, this Sunday, it was meant to be a double header with the Arrows Academy versus New York Foundry in the uh, return fixture, as well as the Arrows hosting Rugby New York. Unfortunately, that Academy game has been postponed, but both academies are looking to reschedule for later this spring. Now, um, we focus back on the main team, the senior team, because it's not so much <laughs> what they've done on the pitch, but what they've been doing off the pitch. I like and it. It's, it's a not busy even the players. Thank, yeah. thank, thank you, Arrows. Thank you, Mark Winokur, and um, anybody else that had thoughts and in these trades, giving us something to talk about during the bye week. I love it. Thank you. So there have been four trades that have happened involving the Arrows. And it includes foreign player spots and salary cap increases. So the Arrows have traded one foreign player spot to Los Angeles for 2022. And they have traded three foreign player spots, one each to Dallas, New England and New York for 2023. And all those four trades I've just mentioned were for 2022 salary cap increases. So this leaves uh, the Arrows with eight um, foreign player spots for 2022 and seven foreign player spots for 2023. And what I mean by that is that the Arrows can have up to eight foreign players, so non-Canadians in their case. Um, oh, American. They can have Americans in the They line. can have Americans. They don't they have don't any have Americans, Americans on the team, so, yeah. but they could. So, so if uh, Toronto's case, or actually for any MLR team, it's a Foreign player spot means a non-Canadian and a non-American. So they can have up to eight foreign player spots. Um, so they can have up to eight foreign players in the match day 23 um, for the remainder of the 2022 season. And for next season in 2023, they will only be able to have seven foreign players. At least... At least as it stands right now, because you can yes, obviously make yeah. more... You could obviously make more trades... Mm -hmm. um, right, which could either bring down the number or bring it back up, depending on what they do. But, but then again, it also seems to be a case of if the Arrows are confident enough to be able to trade away three of their foreign player spots for 2023. And we know the Arrows have fantastic player re retention, like one of the highest player retention rates across any MLR team. It seems to be they're already turning their focus to who See, they want to have for next season. I I don't know if that's it. Um, and all because like the, the thing is with that, it's like obviously, you know, obviously if you're you're making trades for something that's gonna happen in 2023, obviously there, there is a little bit of look to the future. So I do agree with that to you. Um, I do agree with that as a certain point. Maybe they have an idea of what some of the international guys that are on the squad right now are planning on doing next year, but um I like the thing is though with this is it's like I feel like this. To me, this seems like it's a trade for this season. Oh, like you're looking at a team that has like obviously the injury situation that we've basically have talked about every single episode of our podcast this year um, because it's been wild. But um, the big thing that it's like they traded away three, um, you know, international slots for next season, one for this season. But in all four cases, the trade, the what the arrows are getting in return is salary cap considerations for this year yeah right so and obvious and now too um with what the mlr has updated on their trade wire page um which as brian ray pointed out he believes it is the first time that the league has ever had this um but in following with a lot of other sports leagues across north america they have a trade deadline this year Trade yeah. and signing deadline as is how it's worded. Trade and signing deadline, which is a little bit different than some of the other sports. Um, yeah. But saying a trade and signing deadline of May 9th, twenty twenty two, which at the point that we're recording is a week from now. Um, if you're listening to this, it's five or less days from now, I guess, depending on when you're um, when you are listening. Um, but so that kind of tells me it's like if you're making trade for salary cap increase this year, they got like one week to do something with it. Yeah. Right. Um, so I'm really curious to see what that is. And I mean, obviously like I'm sure 
I'm sure every team in the league kind of thinks about like the future and what's going to happen next year and what the roster may look like. Um, but I mean, Stu, as you were kind of talking about a little bit before, it's like the arrows don't have that many. They're a very, they're very proudly a very Canadian heavy team. Yeah. Right. So it's like, there's not a ton of international players on the team. Yeah. Um, but, and, and especially the situation this year, there's a handful of them that are hurt too. So they're not yeah, even, so. they're not even using all their foreign player or they're, they're not even using all their international slots, like during most or during games either. Right. But, yeah. um, but like kind of looking at this though, it's like they all like, if it's all the salary cap for this week, it's like, it just makes me wonder, like knowing that there's a trade deadline, not trade deadline in place, for the Monday after, you know, their game against New York. It's just, I don't know. I like, I mean, I, I'm very curious to see what they do with it. Cause like, why, why else would you make the trades to acquire salary cap increase unless you're trying to use it to sign somebody or, yeah, trade for, or, or even trade for somebody? Yeah. So, you know, and it's been a case of who are they going to sign? Because yeah. if you're reducing your foreign player spot allocation, it's, it's probably a Canadian. Of, yeah, it's most likely Canadian. The only case it would be like a foreign player is that, you know, one of your, or in this case, two or more of your foreign players are going to be out for the next month, yeah. which means that, you know, they may not be able to, that if the arrows make the playoffs, they may not feature in that either so. yeah i mean yeah it doesn't mean, I don't know. It, mean it has you know, but this is the thing this is what we do right. here we wildly speculate about information that will become available about uh 20 yeah, minutes exactly after, after this recording so. but it's it's not even that i mean like i'm not even like sitting here being like oh i think the arrows are going to trade for this player they're going to try to sign this player because i don't know but it's i don't know to me i'm just like i'm very curious as to why the trades like it seems almost like you're setting up for something, yeah. right? Like it feels like if you, because if, I guess, it, I guess the thing is, it's like knowing that there's a trade deadline in a week. It's like, I guess my question is, it's like, if you don't sign somebody like, I guess, why are the trade, like why make the trades? Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, you basically, I guess, sold foreign player slots to four teams. Right. Yeah. Um, but so I, I, I'm, I'm wondering what that uh, that's going to be used for. Um, right. And they, they got a, I guess they got a week to, uh, to do it. I love, I do got to say though, it's like, I do love the idea of the league having a trade deadline. Um, yeah. Cause that's uh that's generally like, I mean, like, I mean, if you, for anybody, like if just living in Canada with the NHL trade deadline, that coverage of that day is wild. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not sure what to expect, um, from the MLR for the trade deadline this year, but like, you know, it is one of those days on this calendar and a lot of other leagues that if you do it right, it could be a big, like marketing thing, big content creation thing. Um, mm -hmm. just because, you know, if you, even that, like, even if you, uh, with the way the MLR kind of announces trades and stuff, it's like, even if you, there's a few trades made this week, if they don't affect the games that are being played on the weekend or something, you can hold a couple trades to like the ninth or whatever and kind of make a big deal out of the Monday or whatever. And um, which that, which could also, I mean, that could also be fun, right. If you end up doing that. So um, yeah, the other thing though, with, with, I, I guess with kind of speculating onto maybe what the arrows are possibly planning this week is um, the one minor thing, I guess, with all trades that involve salary cap considerations is that none of those trades that, involved ca salary cap considerations have ever said how much the yeah. trade is actually for right so um you know maybe maybe it's like is it enough to sign one player is it enough to sign two guys is it enough to just sign one real big name from somewhere um is it enough or you know what i mean like so there's a there's a there's a lot kind of there's a, just a, you know it's a lot of questions it's definitely a it's it's fun though. Uh, trades are fun. It's an exciting time, but it's it kind of just feels like the arrows are setting something up for uh, that. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll find out later this week, or or maybe okay. Tuesday, in which you already know, and you're just like, haha, 
the people listening are just like laughing at us for not knowing what this trade is right now. <laughs> Dramatic irony. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. So here's a quick question: If the Arrows are going to sign a Canadian player, Ooh. who would you want them to sign? Let, let's say that the like, salary cap increase allows them to buy them out of their current contract if they're already playing for a, another team. You know, someone who can represent the Arrows for the final uh, four or five games of the regular season. Ooh, that is a good question. Are we assuming it's Canadian? Yeah, um, that, that, let's just say Canadian. Let's just... Uh, uh, man, I don't know, because it's like, I'm just thinking of all the guys I'm thinking of are already like under contract and stuff, I guess. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is in like the money that the Arrows have generated has been enough to buy them out of their contract. I don't know. I guess Priscilla would be cool. Do we still need scrum halves? Um, <laughs> but I mean, uh, yeah, like I, I have no idea if uh, what's going to happen. Um, I'm just trying to think who's uh, anybody like announced like any like little uh, retirements or something. Or- and, and so this, like we're saying, I'm doing a t- completely hypothetical, yeah. you know, if they're playing in France or in the UK or in like super rugby, you have the the money yeah. that the arrows have generated has said, "Hey, play for us for four weeks." I'm just trying to think, who would you want? Well, this is the thing. So I now again, this is not a blight on any player that currently is with the arrows. I'm just uh, noticing that um, you know uh, Kyle Bailey got injured in the game against um, New Orleans. I think, yeah, and you know. You know, a tall lock, you need a, to have a tall lock able to grab the ball and stuff. And, you know, Mike Shepard can only do so much. I mean, he needs he needs to have, uh, you know, he needs to be able to have one game where he can come off the bench and make a difference. You need to have someone who can get in a starter. So let's say, find a guy, we can break him from his uh, contract, get him over, you know, and just for four weeks, just to say, you know what, I get Evan Olmstead. Yeah, over. That's uh... there you go. That's a good one. I mean, like Olmstead, Ardron, Paris, all guys playing over in Europe, right? Like that would all. Yeah. Be, um, I guess that like all of those would be nice. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's like uh, breaking guys out of a contract in a league where they probably make more money is uh, that's going to be a tough. Uh, might be a tough again one. hypothetical, man. It's just it's just a bit <laughs> of fun. Come on. Um, I mean, if we want, you want hypothetical, just a little bit of fun. Uh, give me, uh, let's sign. You want a lock? Let's sign a Toje. Uh, or uh, let's do that. Let's sign a. All right. Want to get a, uh, who else do we want over here? Let's do that. Yeah, let's go with uh, some big guns. All right, fair enough. Okay, again, uh, if this is after the episodes uh, come out, enjoy your four weeks in Toronto tomorrow, and uh, <laughs> we'll have you have you back in time for the uh, summer tour. Um, Priyani recently retired. Uh, he hasn't retired. He just said he's leaving Bath. He said he's and, leaving. Yeah, but he's oh, not he said where he's going to he next. So he, he may be coming across country. the pond. Yeah, different country, so it won't be in England. Uh, Across the pond, who knows? Who knows? Um, someone who definitely won't be available for selection is a former Arrow who has announced their retirement from all forms of work, and that is Joaquin Tukalet, who um, made the announcement last week that he is retiring. He um, retired from the amateur club that he first played rugby with, so um, and he had retired from international duty back in. 2020 and that was when he decided to come and join the Arrows and while it was originally stated that Tuchelet was doing a multi-year deal I think it was just a case of that his body wasn't able to carry on at the professional level which is unfortunate but you know we have um, you know some great memories of Tuchelet scoring tries in blue and white whether that be for Argentina or for the Arrows so Joaquin I know you're a big fan of the show and you message us all the time uh, just want to say um, thank you for everything you've done um, for the Arrows and we wish you all the best in retirement and to the next part of your life. All right, so we've talked about the Arrows, even though they haven't been playing this week. So let's talk about the other games in the MLR that did happen. So first up, we had the rematch of the 2021 final, Atlanta versus L.A., 
And, you know, Atlanta were hoping it would go the same way as when they last hosted. LA was hoping it would go the same way as the final. And it actually seemed to be a mixture of both. But, you know, LA just came out in the first half and, you know, were more energized, more focused, you know, clearer uh, plan that they had. Uh, I say clear a plan. They also had two players starting with, uh, you know, uh, nine, number nineteen and number twenty-one were starting instead of the uh, pre-assigned uh, lock and fly half. So you know, some four D chess there going on from LA. Uh, clearly, it was working. Um, you know, LA were able to score all their points of the game in the first half, and even though. Uh, Captain Canuck, Matt Heaton, was able to get over for the first half in Atlanta. Um, you know, ATL were able to score two more tries in the second half to bring their total up. And they were, you know, in the final uh, stretch of that game, were trying to get that fourth try to get a losing bonus point. However, LA were able to turn the ball over to secure another win against Atlanta. The final score, Atlanta 19, LA 31. Uh, yeah, man. Um, you know, like we said uh, a couple of weeks ago, sometimes the best defense is just a massive lead. And, uh, you know, L.A., uh, not a- Atlanta, you know, didn't really have the greatest start. L.A. had a massive, what was it, 31-5 at halftime, you just said. Yeah, right? like, just, um, yeah monstrous lead. And, huge. And, yeah, yeah and I've got to say, um, what's his name, uh, Tom Mitchell's try from the line out. It was a oh, line out, Phil. inside pass. And, you know, once you give a sevens player space, they're gone. Oh man! Like, it doesn't you know, matter if it's against seven guys or fifteen guys. It's how Fetty too. It's yeah. like so like he's silky smooth, like graceful for a man that size. It's um, it's it's wild and uh, yeah, that was unreal. Like all their tries, like the even like a couple of the other ones, like the Meeks's little like rubber kick through the trainer was real nice. I'm uh, you know that the first try that they had too, where it's you know Ryberg finishing in the corner. Yeah. Um, they, they were scoring some real like classic nice tries, and I mean, uh, it, you know, played really well considering you know whatever happened seemed to be a lot of uh, a lot of last minute like lineup changes in this game too. Yeah. But they seemed to it was uh, weird. Yeah, it was it was kind of it was kind of odd. Um, right, especially with uh, especially with the fact that uh, Burton and Thomas still played in the game after too. Right. And, yeah, they were. Yeah, they just they just had went them on the, the bench. Yeah, they just had them on the bench. Yeah, no, that was no kind explanation of, whatsoever. Just. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it it is what it is, um, but yeah, but it was uh, but it was wild. That, like that was kind of wild. But I mean, Goddard did Goddard played pretty well at fly half too, and you know it's crazy to kind of think it's like this team. This team itself has also dealt with a lot of injuries, and they're still missing like a lot of big guns too. Like they still haven't had like DTH or Gitto play a game, right? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, to the point where it's like they've had. It's kind of crazy too because it's like they've had so many fly halves get hurt this year and it's like they get Burton back but then they have Goddard play fly half for the whole game. And... Well, it was either hurt or uh, banned. And uh, yeah. speaking of bands, it was something that LA suffered from this game was ill-discipline. I mean... Yeah, Gurmashai's, um, that's... Uh, yeah. Can't, yeah. Can't well, do that, bro. Well, Gurmashai's, first of all, um, gave a dive so magnificent it could be considered for the Olympics. And then, you know, elbowing a player behind you on the ground yeah Yeah, as in i and i saw him protest and i'm like yeah you can't really protest that it's uh pretty clear but i mean obviously it uh houston got a lot of red cards from the last arrows game that uh got handed out after we recorded so we didn't really talk about them but uh yeah but uh yeah it uh, was announced today that gomeshites has got a three match ban from that red card so he won't be um, making an appearance until the game against Utah, yeah, I believe. Great, yeah, yeah. Utah. Everybody comes back against Utah. It's wild. Um, but um, the other great thing from this game was that uh, that uh, Den Holt tackle on Torres as he was going to ground the oh, ball. Oh yeah, that, that just yeah. the clinical, just punching it out as it's crossing. And every, everyone was so game. convinced that it oh, was a try, and then and then you the watch the replay, like, "Oh, that is that's not a try at yeah. all." No, oh, they were correct. They weren't just doing team yeah. bias. That, that, was, was, that was big though, because they had um, Atlanta like just before had a what did they have? They had like a knock on or something, or did they just get held up over the line? 
I think they just he, got held up over the line or something, right? Like right before that too. Yeah. So yeah, yeah like, a like lot of opportunities back, yeah. uh, went back. But you know, as you said, sometimes the best defense is uh, a just, massive best lead. Best defense is a massive lead. Yeah. So you know, well done to LA, and uh, you know that it seems like the Gill teams are trying to secure the uh, hosting duties in the West, and they seem mm-hmm. to be on the right track for that. Okay, next up was a cross-conference game. It was New England versus Utah. And to the surprise of no one, New England already on a fire-hot roll. Um, Utah still struggling from the new coaching changes. Uh, New England, I mean, Bowden Walker just proving he can play any position whatsoever. Like The number on his jersey doesn't matter. He'll... No. He'll, he'll play any he'll play any game, any sport, and they'll still score tries for New England. At this point, okay, fantastic. Yeah, no, is dude that one uh, Poland's try where he like set, he like made a step that sent Danny Christensen to like a different realm. Yeah. Um, just like you can't even call it a missed tackle. It was just like you did, you didn't even get a chance, man. It's like um try it's like trying to hit Nightcrawler. He just disappears and then appears somewhere else. Um, yeah. but it's uh. But yeah, so like that was kind of wild. And uh, New England's been playing Unreal. But like, I mean, like we are what, five, pretty much, I guess everyone's like five games away from the end of the season. We're on, a, you know, six weeks, I guess. Six yeah, weeks. We got, yeah, five, 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 five weeks left, uh, yeah. five games for the Arrows. Obviously, every. Yeah, um, every team's team a little bit has, different. But yeah. yeah. Um, but like, is there is there any debate that Bodie and Walker is going to be the MVP at the end of the year? Uh, only if he, you know, Gives intercept passes between now and the championship final at this. Yeah, point. but how many how many intercept passes would he have to give away? About yeah, four. I would game. even be. I would even argue at that point if he's just starting to give away intercept passes. I'm like, he's so good that he's scoring for the other team. <laughs> fair enough. Fair. Like enough. it's yeah. Um, it's it's he's been unreal watching him play this year. Yeah. Uh, final score: New England thirty-three, Utah seventeen, and this now makes it official that New England. Have the longest winning streak in an MLR season with hey, boo, eight I'm sad about games. That. I'm sad about uh, that one. That was I know that, but the, all that means is that next season the Arrows just have to go unbeaten they have all to get it back. season, and yeah. you know they'll be fine. Hey, they, they, they can start by going five and zero to end this year right now. So yeah, I suppose that's uh, a fair enough trade. So yeah. Okay. Now, next up, we have a Western clash of Dallas versus San Diego, and you know. The misfortune just continues for Dallas at the moment. San Diego put in a rout. You know, I think first try was uh, four minutes in by, uh, you know, uh, Chris Robshaw. Then uh, soon followed up by uh, with a penalty from Will Hooley. And then another try from Peter Malcolm. And then a try from Canadian scrum half Jason Higgins. And then Ben Mitchell scored his the fourth try in the 31st minute. So yeah, bonus point, and you still have 50 minutes of the match to go. I mean, JP Aguare, um, you know, recently signed for the Dallas Jackals, able to get a try in in the 23rd minute. But uh, you know, it it just seems to be like a similar case of bad luck follows Dallas, but also indiscipline as well. I mean, they had three separate yellow cards. In this game. Now, to be fair, uh, San Diego also got a yellow card as well in the 20th minute. But Herman Angenberg in the 15th minute, Asa Carter in the 75th, and Tommy Madaris in the 78th minute. And then, um, well, Chris Bauman scored the easiest try I think I've ever seen from an overthrown lineout. And it <laughs> was so it's Dallas's lineout in their own 22. And they overthrow it, and I'm like, "Oh come on, guys! I mean, that, yeah. there's only so much. I can, there's only so much that my empathy well has at the moment. But if you're doing stuff like that, I mean, come on, guys! Yeah, I mean, da- Dallas has just obviously been struggling a lot this year, and you know, for for some of it too, for some reasons outside of their control too. Like, who can predict half your team is going to fall off a walkway, right? Like, yeah. Um, that's yeah. It, it's obviously it's been a tough year, man. I mean, they got a uh, they're zero and twelve now, so they got they have four more four more cracks at getting the uh, getting their first win. 
of the year. And I mean, like, hopefully they can do it just because it would be nice to see it happen. Nice to see like the fans still kind of coming out and supporting and, uh, you know, they, uh, they rock some cool like city jerseys this week. So, I mean, it seems like, like hopefully they got some good stuff going on, like off the pitch or uh, whatever within the Dallas community there. And um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's tough, man. It's a tough first season in the league for yeah. sure. And uh, on the other side of the ball though, shout out to Mike Smith rocking the, uh, the vice captaincy for this game mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for the first no, time. Not- him and Mike Smith, Ma Nanu, what a captain combination there um, in San Diego. And yeah. yeah, and he played, man, he's been so good this year. Um, well, of course, that's why he's a yeah. uh, vice captain. Yeah, no, exactly. That's, well, that's what we got to do. Like one off season, uh, one, one off season episode should just be like a deep dive on like Mike Smith highlights um, from this entire season. We'll like break it down like a Marvel movie review or something. Yeah, um, no complaints from me about that. Yeah, no, yeah, he's he's been unreal. And what I guess he's he was second in the league in most tackles or whatever going into this week. James Dealey hasn't updated it yet because I'm sure he's a human being that has a life and things going on. Um, but when he does, I'm curious to see where Smith lands. Um, but um, yeah, man, it's a uh, yeah, he's been having an unreal season. Yeah. All right. Now we move on to the Sunday fixtures. And first up, we have uh, the Eastern Clash of New York versus Nola Gold. And, you know, it seemed that New York were going to just like waltz away with this game. You know, they had a fantastic start. I think uh, they had, yeah, uh, like uh, they got their try bonus point by half time with tries from Andy Ellis, Cara Pryor, Dylan Fawcett, and Ed Fidow. Um, whilst New Orleans did get uh, a try in the first half from Sullivan. But then in the second half is uh, Capieo uh, scored in the 54th minute, and then Dan Stevens took a quick tap penalty, was able to like dance through the defences, um, offloaded it, and then had received the pass back to score in the 56th minute. Um, Elof scored in the 75th minute to put them in losing bonus point range, or even within the range of if they could score again, they would even win the game, which I think uh, you and I were both hoping for that, Derek. Uh, But then again, uh, New York realized that, oh, we like winning. And uh, we've got the uh, MLR's uh, top try scorer of all time on our team. We should uh, probably utilize him. So Fawcett getting his second try at the death in the 80th minute, just sniping over from the line out. And uh, Jack Hayton, the only um, conversion he was unable to get. But final score, New York 36, Nola 28. And yeah, it's got to be gutting for Nola to be able to get so close to, you know, snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. And then uh, you have force it, just pin them over and you're just out of your two uh, bonus points go down to one. And it's just... uh, yeah yeah exactly right the uh yeah no so like i mean i don't like i don't know like is i guess nola's not mathematically eliminated but like damn that's gonna be tough yes like they don't they uh yeah they they, they don't they probably have nola are currently on 20 points yeah, with and, four games, and they left. played. They've yeah, so they've got four uh, games left, so they only have, so they, can, they can only get twenty more points. So I was gonna say, so they can, yeah, they can max up to uh, forty. So yes. like, New York needs three points to eliminate them. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess yeah, New York needs I guess three points to eliminate them. I mean, you you got to think whoever's getting third, whether it's New York or Toronto, is certainly going to have more than forty-one points. So yeah, um, no matter who that ends up being, so I like. They're probably, I mean, yeah, they're out. Yeah, they're out. Yeah, if they're not, even if they're not mathematically, they're not mathematically eliminated yet, but they're out. Um, Yeah. So obviously, obviously that's tough. But I mean, one of the things, though, it's like we talked about last week, it's like you can't go 0 and 6 at home. Like that's not going to be helpful at all. Um, But um, yeah, I mean, it's like they can't, it's nice to see like teams, though, it's like they kind of fought back in this game. Um, So that's like, they try to keep the hopes alive, but then, as you said, Dylan Fawcett um, just you know ruins the dream. And uh, um, New York, New York has has a really good win, man. They had some, uh, they had some really nice tries. That one, uh, that one player, Andy Ellis, just kind of cleared, like looked like he was just clearing 
trying to clear the ball, and then Ed Fidow apparently became becomes Usain Bolt when uh, yeah. there's a loose ball somewhere. So um, just absolutely flying down the wing to go and gather that. Um, so that, that was a ridiculous try, too. And then he said, man, it's like when New, New York, too, as a team, like when Fawcett's scoring tries, when they get the mall going, it's tough to stop. And um, they uh, they got some uh, heard a lot of Frank Sinatra during this broadcast. I guess that's a thing that New York's doing now, playing that uh, that New York, New York song every time they score a try, um, which is pretty fun. I like it. I'm sure I'm going to be sick of it every time the uh, tr- you know, if I uh, watch uh, enough New York games where I'm kind of hoping that they're going to lose for the sake of the Toronto Arrows, but um, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, so, you know, pretty solid game, but um, sets up, obviously, it's a, it's a wild, as we mentioned earlier, a bit of a wild playoff race now. And, uh, you know, look, looking at next week, Toronto, New York, absolutely massive, right? Like a five point, a yeah. bonus point win from the arrows only brings them to a uh, 35 points. So New York will still have that two point lead. Right. And, but yeah. uh, a, uh, a win from New York and that's a, that becomes a very big gap. Indeed, um, so it does. it'll, uh, that's a huge one next week. Get yeah. your tickets, get down to York Lions stadium. Yeah. And the final game for the round was Austin versus Seattle. And, this was an incident in which most of the points were scored in the first half. You know, Seattle um, got things started with a penalty, and then it was uh, Hugh Roach that was able to get the first try for Austin, and that was converted by Will Maggie. And then Seattle got a second penalty from the boot of Alatimu. And then Marco Keith was able to score four minutes later with the seven point try. And then the second half produced a lot of like close calls, but just not enough. So um, Campbell and Roach both appeared to have scored for Austin, but both went back for the TMO for Campbell, I believe. It was that he had collected the ball forward from the uh, yeah, from the tackle. So that was technically a forward pass. So then it was a scrum to Seattle. And when it was Roach's uh, try, uh, TMO showed that a, another player was pulling a Seattle player's jersey off the ball, which uh, directly impeded it, which was a penalty. And, you know, there's uh, really silly mistakes that, you know, obviously Austin win, so they're not too fussed about it in the end. But when you're getting to the range of like trying to get the points difference just to secure the um, home uh, conference uh, playoff game. You want to be able to just have that little bit of cushion just to help you out. And also, um, because Austin are currently on 47, LA are on 38, but LA um, also have a game in hand as well. So, you know... A bit of a battle between the uh, Gill cousin, the cocktail cousins. And, you know, I'm sure Austin will want to be able to put themselves in a position where they can put LA out of step and they can get that um, home berth for the Western Conference final. And silly mistakes like that. I mean, you know, you don't want to become like victim to them. You don't want that to be what decides whether you win or lose a game in this instance, but, uh, yeah, you know, um, you can't fault, uh, excellent defensive efforts by both sides. I mean, Seattle did concede a penalty within kicking range in the second half to give the, the only point of that half away, but, you know, fantastic defensive work from both teams as well. But as you said, the best defense is a strong lead. And when you're leading 14, <laughs> six, at halftime, that's not know, even they, that big of a lead. They played good. Not even that big of a lead, but even a converted try would still have the finals. They played. So yeah, final final score: Austin seventeen, Seattle six. Yeah, and um, obviously big implications for uh, Seattle too, because that is a wild playoff race that they have in uh, the Western Conference, right? It's yeah, it's, um, uh, so got, Seattle are currently fourth. They are two points behind San Diego. San Diego, yeah, and but only seven points behind LA for second too, and then Houston's right with them at thirty-one points. But Houston's got a game in hand. They've only played. They have their, yeah. Um, they only have eleven games um, so far. Um, to Seattle and Seattle's 12 LA also sitting at 38 has a game in hand on Austin, San Diego and Seattle. So if they make that up, that's going to be, that'll make even, 
you know, even the race for uh, for first, very interesting. Um, and then you got uh, poor uh, poor Utah and Dallas. Um, probably, yeah, probably have no chance at this. Um, yeah, but, I um, think you. Yeah, I think Utah. Uh, Utah has two two wins. games away from being um, mathematically eliminated. Yeah, but that's they... another Utah. Much like Nola, is not mathematically eliminated, but they have no chance. Yeah, it's basically they have five games left, so twenty five points, which will put them at forty. If LA win their next game, uh, or even get uh, yeah. a losing bonus point, a try bonus point, that puts them out of the place for second mm-hmm. place. And then, obviously, you have three teams that are battling for third at the moment. And, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. That's gonna that, be wild. I mean, yeah, and yeah, if two teams get a a bonus point win twice, then yeah, yeah, game over. I was gonna say, like, even like Austin's probably not completely safe yet like i mean oh no i think you have a bad you have a bad run to end the year and that could be problematic so i mean like yeah it's uh, it's pretty tight i mean you got i mean you you really have you have five teams really pretty closely competing for three playoff spots i mean austin probably has a little bit of breathing room but um but yeah man it's gonna be it's gonna be real tight and it's it's crazy to see like even right now like the uh sitting at they sitting at um you know in third san diego they're just a six and six team like it's not like they're like you you know what i mean like they're a 500 team right that's yeah you know sitting at third right now tied with two other 500 teams right so um kind of a wild conference race right now and uh, it should be a mm-hmm. lot of fun watching seeing how this plays out yeah okay we are gonna move away from the united states we're gonna head back to the great white north because we had the world sevens series in langford for the women's leg of the canada sevens and you know after finishing first and qualifying for the rugby world cup in september you know we had a mix of games but obviously you know you're going to be uh playing some other uh, Commonwealth teams that you're going to be also facing teams that you'll be facing in the World Cup as well. Uh, and that said, you know, considering that this Canada squad is um, full of younger players, you know, players that didn't take part in the Olympics. In fact, they had a uh, tribute to Jazane Landry, who came onto the pitch with um, a new child and they celebrated her efforts um, and thanked her for her contributions to uh, the Rugby Canada Women's Sevens program, which was very nice to see. Um, ultimately, Canada had a very strong pool performance. They won their first game against Spain, 19-10. They followed that up with another win over Mexico, 43-0, and were only felled by Australia, who beat them 28-5. Then in the knockout round, they had the New Zealand team and that went as well as you expected uh, final score 38 to New Zealand and nothing to Canada which meant that uh, Canada were eliminated from the uh, championship but they still competed for the fifth place playoff and up next was Fiji a team that had beaten them again at the Olympics however uh, this time round it was Canada on the winning end 26-19 to Fiji and for the fifth place playoff, it was Canada versus the USA. Canada were able to score 12 points in the first half, and USA were only able to score one converted try in the second half, leading Canada. Mm-hmm. Beat the USA for the first time in sevens in 2020. The final score 12 7, and Canada finished fifth. Which, so that is a fantastic performance, especially when earlier in this um, sevens season, we were saying that Canada were finishing. You know, like eleventh or twelfth in Literally, competition. Literally, all I care about is beating the United States now. Yeah. Well, I That's mean, it. you know, you want to have a good position overall, but you know, I mean, you do, you do, it, and, yeah. and and the turnout at um, Starlight Stadium was, you know, fantastic. It was great to see so many people out there supporting um, not mm-hmm. only um, Canada Women Sevens, but also just Women Sevens as a whole. And the awesome. next competition will be in Marseille, and they will be having a joint uh, competition. So it'll be the men's and women's competing in France. Mm-hmm. And uh, gotta mention uh, Portia Woodman hitting 200 
tries as well. Yeah, the first the absolute, woman in absolute legend. Uh, World Sevens to complete that. So congratulations, Paul. It's a fantastic record. Uh, we're going to keep it on uh, Vancouver Island because a big announcement happened last week as well. Um, and After we recorded well. and before we released our favorite time. Of course. Oh, you know, that's that's when all the good news comes out. We just, uh, we're used to it. We're so ahead of ourselves that uh, <laughs> we, we get the information before the news has even come out. So... Well, if it we is what it the is. news even comes out, yeah, then we would have it in the podcast before it comes out, but we don't. Either way, um, it has been announced that Rugby Canada has appointed their new CEO and they have chosen Nathan Bombris. Uh, so Bombris has a pretty decorated uh, resume. Um, his work includes being the commercial and marketing director of Sale Sharks. He has been the managing director of Glasgow Warriors in the URC. And he is currently the head of international commercial projects with the Scottish Rugby Union. So Bombris will officially join Rugby Canada in summer. He has to complete his term with the SRU first. And while as we are on interim CEO, Jamie Levshuk will move to managing director of revenue and fan engagement. And we mentioned on Twitter that uh, Bombris clearly has a lot of work cut out for him. Um, <laughs> Uh, Bombers is American as well, uh, but obviously has the acumen and knowledge of working in some of like the largest rugby leagues in the world and for one of the biggest unions uh, for Scotland. Uh, so we've said, obviously, with the release of the high performance review, there's going to be a lot of work done. And of course, it's not only just down to one man. So Bombers isn't going to be the be all and end all of the change that needs to come forward. But, you know, it's going to be a tough job to have coming forward. And, uh, no, I personally wish him all the success. Oh, for, but, sure. Uh, for sure. I also have a feeling that it may get worse before it gets better as well. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like on-field results and like turning the culture of just the organization as a whole around are kind of, I mean, they go together, but they're also sort of two different things, right? Like we kind of talked about just our little grievances with how rugby Canada operated and stuff. Right. Um, just errors and press releases, things like that. Right. That um, you could probably fix um, with the right, like, you know, leadership in place. And obviously um, this is step one, hiring Nathan Bombries. And um, as you kind of mentioned, Stu, um, you know, a couple of things that are um, to me anyways, are super noteworthy is as you kind of mentioned, it's like a bit of a change from Alan Vanson, just as far as background goes. Um, Bombries, as you mentioned, worked for, um, you know, commercial, as you mentioned, Stu, worked for the Sharks, worked for the Warriors, um, you know, worked for currently um, for the Scottish Rugby Union. Um, he's got a couple other rugby credits. If you uh, go through his like LinkedIn to some stuff in like uh, the pro, the pro 12 for like the precursors to the United Rugby Championship the pro, you know, 10, 12, 14, whatever numbers they got up to it during his tenure there. Um, so it's like, it's nice, a bit of a change because like Alan Vanson was kind of more of just like a generic sports administrative kind of guy. Um, whereas Bombarese is obviously clearly like a rugby focused um, individual, right? Who, you know, he uh, um, has an art, there's an article up by Neil Davidson that's on TSN. Um, kind of talked talking about how with the Glasgow Warriors, it's like he had a little bit of a hand in like obviously the business side of the organization, but also the rugby side too, which you know going into operating like a national uh, like a national union is going to be very key. Um, you mentioned that he's American, which is just um, kind of funny, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's not obviously it's not a bad thing or whatever, but it's like it's it is kind of funny to be like the CEO of of uh, rugby Canada is um, from probably Canada's biggest rival in the sport of rugby, yeah. um, which is just kind of funny. It's not nothing really there, but um, from Michigan. So uh, kind of interesting, kind of like looking, looking him up a bit of an interesting story. I eh? he, um, you know, I guess he, he's from Michigan. He went to Syracuse university, wanted to try out for football, got convinced to join the rugby team instead, and then decided to go, to England to be like surrounded by like the rugby culture and, you know, learn to play rugby out there. Um, he, even in the article, it's kind of funny. I like, you know, it's uh, one of those things that, you know, how like we always kind of casually talk about when um, like there's player signings and stuff. And it's like, 
people always kind of seem to like when they find people they like, they kind of seem to like bring them around to like organizations and stuff. Right. And there's always seems to be some connections whenever yeah. there's new hires. Yeah. Um, so he kind of jokes around that he thinks uh, while he was with the Glasgow Warriors, they probably signed more Canadian players than anybody, than uh, everybody <laughs> up until the Toronto arrows showed up. Um, that's kind of what, what he kind of jokes about in the, uh, until, until there was the arrows, the Glasgow Warriors probably signed more Canadians than anybody. Um, while he was there running the team also kind of interesting while he was with, so that's obviously like DTH braid. Um, yeah. 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 yeah and Sears Duru too, but also like while, um, while he was with the sharks, one of the coaches for the sharks was Kingsley Jones too. So I guess there's a bit of a connection there for that. Hmm, um, interesting. So while, so, you know, it is kind of interesting to, to kind of see that. So obviously it seems like he, you know, has like, you know, I guess some familiarity with at least individuals that are a part of rugby Canada, whether that's players or as you know, through Kingsley Jones as the coach. Right. Um, so obviously some familiarity with the certain individuals that would be involved with rugby Canada. So that's probably beneficial, you know, also like maybe to like the fact that, you know, obviously having this rugby experience that like, you know, with like the Scottish rugby union or working for the warriors or the sharks or anywhere else that he has been right. It's like, it's top level, like elite tier one rugby experience from that business side too. So, you know, hopefully that's going to translate very well to being the CEO of rugby Canada. Um, the one thing that I thought was very interestingly noteworthy um, from the TSN article by Neil Davidson is I, at the kind of the end, it gets into a little tiny little bit about, I guess, his personal life um, saying that uh, he's married with two children, but he says he is yet to settle on where he will be based in Canada, which, mm. and, which I find very interesting. So Davidson then quotes uh, Bombries and saying, it seems to be a question a lot of people ask, but it seems to be it's always the wrong answer, no matter what it is. Yeah. And then Davidson kind of continues um, with, with his thoughts on that quote, I guess, uh, saying he's clearly aware of the past tug of war between Toronto and Vancouver Island when it comes to Rugby Canada's HQ. Um, which I think is a very interesting thing for uh, Davidson to bring up in this article. Um, just because as we mentioned um, a few weeks back when we were talking about the high performance review, one of the points on the high performance review was that the CEO not being in Langford caused problems. Yeah. Right. So that to me is a very interesting point. I mean, obviously I'm sure, you know, Bomberis is free to choose where he wants to live and what's best for his family. Um, but that is very, that to me is just very interesting giving the, that one of the many points in the high performance review was directed at the location of the uh, CEO and like where yeah. they were based out of. Right. So that'll be very interesting to kind of see what he decides. Kind of funny that it's like, you know, no matter what he says, I guess he feels like he's wrong. So um, yeah. interesting to see where, where they, where he ends up um, yeah. based on that. But, um, you know, like you said, it's like going, he's got a lot of work to do, man. And, um, you yeah. know, that same high performance review, as we all mentioned, did not um, did not paint rugby cannon in a very uh, good picture. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. I wonder, uh, you know, I'm kind of curious to see like what his first move is going to be, what kind of big changes may be coming. Um, I would imagine there's going to be more personnel changes and stuff to it. So, yeah. um, well, it'll probably be tough to change the culture if the same people yeah. are all still around that. Yeah. that does make sense. So it's, uh, yeah. it's just, like I said, I have a feeling it's going to get worse before it gets better, but here's hoping that, uh, you know, it gets better much sooner than we anticipate. Mm -hmm. all right well we're gonna start wrapping up the podcast here because obviously there's no arrows game it's uh, much shorter than what we're normally doing and uh, we gotta but... go watch the third period of the leafs tampa bay because yeah stanley cup playoffs now of course oh, nothing right now apparently okay so the current so if you want to watch rugby this weekend this is the place where you can do it the champions and challenge cup are in their quarterfinals and you can get a weekend pass on epcrugby.tv 
If you want to watch Super Rugby Pacific, you can find that on TSN. If you would like to watch Japan League One or all the non-Arrows MLR games this weekend, you can find them on the Rugby Network. And if you are looking for the Arrows game and you're not in the GTA and you um, can't get a ticket, then you can watch that this Sunday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on TSN. Okay, and now we have come to our predictions for round 14. We have six games coming up, and it starts with New England versus D.C., Derek, I'm going to say that New England go on a nine-match winning run. I am picking New England. Ooh, what jerseys are DC wearing? Um, I'm going to say because they're not at home, it's not going to be the uh, Blossom. Um, see, I don't know. And they're also, I saw that they're also auctioning those jerseys off. So um, that's kind of tough, too. Um, you know, if they if they wear the flag jersey, New England, if they wear the cherry blossom one, DC, you should probably hold on to those for the rest of the year. But seeing as they're auctioning them off, I feel like they're not wearing them. So I'll go with New England. Okay. Next up, we have Utah hosting ATL. So this will be at Zions Bank Stadium. Derek, who do you have? I'm uh, for the arrow's sake. I think I want Utah to win this game, but I mean. Utah hasn't really shown much of too much to make me think that they can beat Atlanta. So I'll reluctantly pick, uh, pick Atlanta. That's fair. Yeah. It, you know, ever since those uh, coaching changes were made, there's just not been enough uh, for me to see that Utah are actually going on an upward trajectory that I don't think they've won a game since that time anyway. So yeah, my choice is be going for Atlanta as well, much to the chagrin of uh, Arrow support everywhere. And speaking of Arrows, we move on to our first Sunday fixture, and it is Toronto versus there are New four York. Four games on Sunday? There are four games on Sunday. Oh, wow. It's Mother's Day. It's for the mothers. It's for the mothers, right? No, that's, that's fair. Um... So, Toronto? Oh yeah, Toronto at home must win game. Um, in front of their bombs, they got to get it done. Yeah. Do you think uh, we'll get another Sam Malcolm drop goal? Ooh. No, no. But I feel like we'll get a we'll get like a I feel like we'll get a, like an iconic try. Like I've, right. I feel like we'll, we'll get like an epic like late try or something. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We won't need the drop goal because we're already winning by so many points that. No <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. And next up, we have the Gilly Cup. So it is LA versus Austin. You know, and uh, guessing that the winner of this game is probably going to help try to rubber stamp hosting the Western Conference final. Who do you have, Derek? I'm going to go with LA. Okay, that's that's fair. That's yeah. Fair. Um, yeah, I I think LA obviously at home they have a very strong record, mm-hmm. um, but in my opinion, Austin have just been they they also team. just they also just smacked one of the best teams in the East last weekend too. That is true as well. Um, with yeah. like, and also, and also, we're at the stage where we've got three games so far. We've all picked the same one. Someone has to pick something different. So I will be the sacrificial lamb. So, I will yeah. pick Austin to win the Gilly Cup. There you go. Okay, the third game that we have on Sunday is San Diego versus Houston. So Houston coming off the bye week, but San Diego back at home. Uh, I'm going to go San Diego. Let's see, let's see if they can, uh, you know, at home, um, you know, Mike Smith can keep captaining them. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think this is a big game for Houston kind of, or for San Diego, I guess, and Houston too, but, um, San Diego probably looking to put some separation between themselves and, uh, the two teams trailing them in the standings. That is, yeah, that's a good call. And also, uh, with the injury to Robbie Povey, I guess uh, there's more Canadian representation going to be with San Diego. And, uh, two guys suspended, too. Two starters suspended. Yeah, so yeah, I'm not saying that Houston won't put up a good fight, but also just because there's more Canadians on San Diego, I will be going with the <laughs> Legion. 
Yeah, there we go. That's fair. I like it. Right. And the final game of the weekend will be Seattle hosting Dallas. I just want Dallas to win a game. I, I do want Dallas to win a game. I just want game, Dallas to win a game. But I don't think it's going to think I don't think they're going to, but I just want them to. I'm going to pick Dallas just to keep the hope. Just for the hope. you got to wear your cap for it. Otherwise, it doesn't count. So oh, here, I'll, I can change it. I can change it. It's actually really close. This works here. Does that help? There we go. Yeah, perfect. Uh, Sorry? Perfect, perfect uh, color coordination. I know, right? Yeah, there we go. So Green and black. Me. You're wearing it on your flannel. You're wearing it on your head. You know, it just works. Yeah. It just works. So yeah. okay. clearly now, this is going to be what gets Dallas that elusive first win. Yeah, let's go. Um, I will be picking Seattle. And that's, there you have it. fair. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. Those are my picks. Those are Derek's picks. If you are looking for the Toonies picks, you can find that on our TikTok channel, TikTok at The Rouge Rugby. In fact, you can find us across all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Rouge Rugby. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can do so on Anchor FM, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoyed watching us, you can do so on our YouTube channel, again, at The Rouge Rugby. Derek, where can people find you on social media? Uh, at Brissette the Jet across all social media platforms. And you can find me across all social media platforms at Hardman, spelled H-4-R-D-M-A-N. Well, Derek, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. And thank you all for joining us. We hope that you can join us again next time.